This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Most of this morning, we're going to be in the book of Haggai and the book of Joel, the prophet Joel. And so just some thoughts here is uh, if you're needing breakthrough in any area of your life, I don't need to know what show of hands because I believe everybody in here is looking for breakthrough in some area. But we're going to talk about this today so that it helps us biblically on, on what the Word of God says. So once you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Haggai, chapter number 1. And to help you a little bit, Haggai is tucked in between Zephaniah and Zechariah, way, way back in the Old Testament. Haggai, chapter 1. Now, to help you out here just a little bit, Haggai, at this time, is addressing three problems that were common to the people of his land, but I believe also were common to every one of us. They became disinterested, they became dissatisfied, and they became discouraged. And so anytime we get over on those areas, we're not exempt from them either, but we're going to have to do something about them. So we begin in the book of Haggai, chapter number 1. Let me get there. Haggai 1. Verse number 2. I'm getting close. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says. Now it's interesting, he addresses the Lord of hosts in here, and in two short chapters he addresses it 14 times. When he says the Lord of hosts right here, he's, he's emphasizing God's greatness. And again he says, This speaks the Lord of hosts, and thus says the people. The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying. Now, what you're going to see right here is what was going on in their society is very uh, similar to what's going on in ours. And there's a choice right there that the people said this, but the word of God said this. And we live in a time where oftentimes it's a lot easier, we think, to listen to what people said Instead of what live, uh, what God said. Many times in our society, you know who people listen to first? Google or Siri. Put the word of God first, okay? Choose in 2018, I'm going to live by the word of God. Verse 2. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now when he was talking about a paneled house here... He was talking about an outward covering. So I want you to think of that in terms of our human life, that the outward covering would be like this. We take on the form of Christian. We know the right things to say. We know the right things to do. But we deny the power. And so literally right here, he's saying you're more concerned about your outward paneling while your inward man is in ruins. This was the situation in their society. They had quit putting on the things of God. They had put God on the back burners. Verse 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways or set your heart on your ways. Now listen to what he says. You have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earn wages and put it into bags with holes. So what he's talking about here is the harder they work for themselves, 
the less they had. And a lot of times in our society, that's how we feel. We work and we work and we work and we work. And and many times if I was to ask you how you feel, you'd say, I'm tired, I'm worn out. There is no rest. And so right here, the reason these people were in this situation or this predicament they were is they ignored their spiritual life. They ignored their walk with God. God wasn't given first place in their life and because of that, nothing satisfies. Now, in the New Testament, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So with that thought right there, let me ask you a question. Where is God on your list of priority right now? Because as it was in their days, I believe that's how it is in ours right now, that this has become the way we live. That we only call out on God is when we're sinking or we're in desperate need. Verse number 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and glorify it, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it's come to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Do you know what he's telling us? You're more concerned with you than what I desire. He goes on to say, for I called you. For a drought on the land, and the mountains on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil. And whatever the ground brings forth on men, the livestock, and all the labor of your hands. Now, what he begins to talk about here is nature itself reflects divine judgment of God. And and when the will of God is ignored, you'll see it in nature. Better said this way, nature gets out of order When the will of God is ignored. Now in our society right now. We see nature out of order. We see it in weather issues. We see it just throughout life. How nature is out of order. Now remember when nature is out of order. It's because people have ignored the things of God. So when nature or weather gets out of order. Mankind's got a thought for it now. And you know what they say? It's called global warming. Everything's global warming. But the truth of the matter is when God's will is ignored, nature will begin to reflect it. Wow. Verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Joshua, Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant or the remaining of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord God had sent them. Now, disobedience is always a lack of, Or a sign of a lack of obedience to God. A lack of reverence to God. That was what was going on in their time. Very similar to ours. Verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, and the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, And they came and worked on the house of the Lord, of God, their host. And so he stirred up their cold hearts. He renewed a passion in them to say, we're going to serve God. We're going to believe God. Chapter number 2, begin with me in verse 4. Yet now, be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. 
Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, if you'll note in that passage, he referenced be strong over and over again. The word strong there literally means to be valiant, to be courageous, and to be firm. This was a practice that he would say over and over in the Old Testament. Actually, in Joshua 1.9, he spoke that to Joshua. But in the New Testament, in Ephesians 6.10, he says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I believe 2018 will be a year that you need to be strong in the Lord. You need to be valiant. You need to be courageous. And you need to be firm on the things of God. In other words, hold on to the things of God unlike any other time in your life. Verse 5. According to the word that I've coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So the one who provided special empowerment for the church in the past offers the same empowerment of the Holy Spirit to this day. I believe it's something that we need to be called on. Oh, Holy Spirit, just as we sang. Fill me back up, Spirit of the living God. Help me. Verse number 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts once more, It is a little while... And I will shake heaven and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Now when he says, I will shake heaven and the earth. That's cross-referenced into Hebrews 12, 26. Which says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God in reverence and fear. So when we talk about grace, he said specifically... Let us have grace that we may serve God. He didn't say let us have grace that we can do whatever we want. So when he talks about there becomes a shakening. God saying my desire is I want to grace you. Grace is a gift. Grace isn't a special empowerment. I believe it's one of the greatest things we need to ask God on a daily basis. Grace me Father God. Help me to be godly in an ungodly world. Verse 7. And I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all the nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, when he talks about the temple, he's talking about the church. He's talking about this house. The word glory right here in the Hebrews is a word called kabod. K-A-B-O-D. So we go to the word of kabod in the Hebrew language. Listen to some of the definitions of kabod. Fill this house with splendor, with greatness, with wealth, with might, with abundance, and with majesty. What would happen if we begin to say, Lord, fill your house. Fill us with the kabod of God. Fill us with your glory. What happens when people begin to pray that? He goes on to say, verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. You know what God's saying? I'm not broke and my supply isn't limited, okay? He's the God who owns the silver and the gold. And he goes on to say in verse 9, The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, 
And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So if we go back and we look, in Haggai's time, the people of the church were defiled and they were unclean. And so guess what Haggai's charge to him is? God wants to restore. He wants to bless. But it doesn't just happen, okay? There's things that mankind's got to do to attract God back and to draw him back in. So now go with me to the book of Joel. The prophet Joel. And that's back, oh, go back to your left. Uh, that'll be before Daniel or after Daniel in that area. I'm going to start in Joel chapter 1 once you get there. Now, when Joel talks to him, he talks to him in two separate parts. But as Joel talks, that their time was that of a great devastation. Their land was full of great destruction. And what Joel talks about here was greater than what anyone had ever seen. Now, I want you to hold fast to that thought. Because we live in a time right now where you'll hear people that will begin to say, I've never seen anything like that. I've never witnessed anything like that. That was what was going on in the prophet Joel's time. Begin with me in Joel chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethul. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days? Have you ever seen anything like this in your days? Or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Now watch what he talks about here. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left and the crawling locust has eaten. And the, what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Now, when he talks about this, this devastation, and that's what it is, it comes in four separate waves is what he's talking about. And he goes on to say to deal with it in verse 5. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, and all you drinkers of wine because of the new wine. For it has been cut off from your mouth. So what he's talking about here, there's become complacency within the church. There's become sin. And so guess what's taking place? There's devastation all over their land. So Joel is beginning to tell them this is the issue. But what are we going to do about the issue? Chapter 1, verse number 13. He says, gird yourselves and lament or weep. You priests, you ministers. Well, you who minister for the altar. All of you who come before me at the altar, wail. Begin to cry out. Come lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from my house of your God. So you know what he's saying? Nothing's going on in my house. There's no prayer being offered and there's no offering being offered. And so literally, the house of God was dead. Now look what he says here, verse 14. The prophet Joel says, Consecrate a fast. Declare a fast. Announce a fast. And when he uses the word consecrate, that means to separate. That means a purification. And so he specifically says, 
our, our society is in such bad shape. Better yet, the church is in such bad shape. We got to declare a fast. Keep reading. Call a sacred assembly. And look who's supposed to come. Gather all the leaders, the elders, the old, and all the inhabitants of the land. Every one of us. And where are we to come? We are to come into the house of the Lord your God. And what are we supposed to do? We're to cry out to God. So guess who invites? He invites everybody. And it was a time of humility. It was a time to come before God with sorrow. It was a time to come to God to pray. A, a, an urgency to pray. Their nation was in destruction. And, and it's in, in, out of order in their life. And it's interesting to me that God looks to the church. Think about that. A nation that's in disaster, it's in devastation, God looks to the church. Now, if you want to tweet something out, tweet this out. God is more concerned about the church house than the White House. Because when the church prays, the White House obeys. But when the church quits praying, you see the result of destruction and devastation within a land. And I love the thought right here. God said the church. The Lord Jesus himself said in, in Matthew 16. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. He didn't say the gates of hell won't prevail against America or the White House. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So guess what he's done? He's raised the bar. And he tells us to cry out. He cry, tells us to fast and to pray. Now let me give you a little insight, and this is just going to be a, a mini lesson on fasting. The primary way you fast is to do without food. And you know what it is meaning there? It is a self-discipline or a self-denial to say, I'm going to replace that time of day where I normally eat with a purpose to seek God. A fast can be one day. Three days, 10 days, 21 days, 40 days. I'm not here to tell you how long to fast. A fast can be uh, uh, different types through the day, whether it's a sunrise to sunset fast. A fast can be, according to Daniel 10, called a partial fast, where all he ate was fruits and vegetables and drank water. And many of you would say, oh, that's not easy, or that's not hard. We are so addicted to sugar. That means tomorrow morning, no sugar pops. No cornflakes. No Pop-Tarts. That means no sodas. Oh, crud. That means no coffee, no tea, okay? Now, I'm not here today to tell you how to fast and how long to fast. That's between you and God. But if you'll note in there, Joel said, you get all the leaders and you get all the people of the land. So he incorporated every one of us. Ah, this is kind of off the point a little bit. There are other things you can fast. Again, the primary way is to get away from food. 
But I think at times we may need to fast anything that dominates you. I'm going to hit home right here, okay? I want you to be truthful. You can raise your hand on this. How many of you in here couldn't go one day without your cell phone? Go ahead and be truthful. Raise your hands. I can't do it, Pastor. Dear Lord. I I applaud your truth. Just think about what we just said. Now let me ask you, how many of you could go one day without your Bible? I should have laid over on my back with my paws up. But but think about that. I, I can't go a day without my phone. Let me tell you something that happened to me. We were we were going to my parents' house on Christmas Day. So we left a little after lunch, and I'm going across town, and I get all the way out to shallow water. And I said, oh, my gosh, I forgot everything. And Shelly said, what do you mean you forgot everything? I said, I don't have a wallet. I don't have a dime to my name. I don't have my cell phone. And she said, you're going to turn back and get it? And I said, nope. So I went 30-something hours without it. And periodically through the year, I'll do that. I'll go a week and I'll turn my phone off. So if there's ever some time you try to get a hold of me for a week and you can't, you're not going to get me, okay? I turned it off. I get to my mom's and my brother said, Genius, answer your phone. I've been calling you for three hours. I said, I don't have my phone. And you know what? My flesh bucked at times, but my heart loved it. Here's Here's a great revelation for some of you. Do you know there was a time in life where there wasn't no cell phones? <laughs> and you existed? We did. Here's another question for you. Social media has become one of the greatest tools we've ever had, but it's the greatest downfall of mankind, I believe. Because I'll tell you right now, there's stuff I would say over Facebook to, say, uh, to, to Henry that I wouldn't say to his face. Now let me ask you something here. How many of you could go one day without Facebook? Again, we're we're addicted to stuff. We're addicted to crap. We're addicted to technology. It's okay to admit that. Father God, I'm addicted to technology. Man, I need help. I would rather be addicted to God than I would to technology. Let me throw this out. The average human being watches 28 hours of TV of work. How many of you in here reach your quota? (laughs) I raise my hand. I probably do. I hate to admit that. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to consecrate a fast. Now what I really want to emphasize is something. Not just the fast. The fast will ignite something. But he said, come to the altar and cry out. Come to the altar and cry out. Not only for your own lives, but for a nation that's in disaster. A nation that's full of destruction. I'm in New York City 30 days ago, around millions of people at a time. And the Lord said this to me. He said, does it bother you at all that people will go to hell? See, so much of our life, we're so selfish. As long as everything's good in my life, who cares about the rest? And it bothered me. 
And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to consecrate a fast today. And we're going to set some time for prayer that throughout the week, Monday through Friday, this auditorium will be open from noon to one every day if you want to come in and pray. But more so, we're going to have prayer tonight at 6 o'clock. Some of you think that's a sin to pray at 6 o'clock on Sunday. We're going to pray Sunday night from 6 to 7. We're going to pray Monday night from 7 to 8. And we're going to pray Tuesday night from 7 to 8. And I realize at 6 o'clock tonight that this is going to torture a lot of men's little flesh because the NFC wildcard game will be on. But you know when we get to heaven, there probably won't be one thing said about the January 7th, 2018 wildcard game. So I invite you to come out. And not just you. Bring your little ones with you. And I have no agenda. I just want to give people the opportunity to obey the word of God. So I got to keep reading. Oh, we got to get going. So he goes on and says in verse 15. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It's near. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. This is a warning. Well, I've heard all my life Jesus is going to come back. Well, he's going to. Isn't it interesting to you that Jesus would say, watch and pray? If it wasn't important, why did he tell us to do that? But when he says this right here, this destruction is going to come from the Almighty. It's not going to be good. It's going to be doomsday is what the message is. Well, I'm put a little hope in you right here. That last phrase that says from the Almighty is cross-referenced into Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I'll say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in Him shall I trust. Surely He's delivered us from the snare of the fowler and from the peerless pestilence. And under His wings I'll take refuge. I'll not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day. A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. But it shall not come near my dwelling, for my God's given his angels charge over me. Hang on to that, okay? That's a promise from God. Chapter 2. Verse 12. I'm saying that because I've been all over the place earlier this morning, so let me go there. Joel 2, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, listen to this. Turn to me with all your heart while there's time. How? With fasting, with weeping, and mourning. With fasting, with prayer, and repentance. So rend your hearts and not your garments. Back then they would tear their garments in a display of, of repentance and sorrow. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and He is merciful. He's slow to anger and of great kindness, and He relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. He wants to bless. Now watch this in verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Now this is the second time he said that. He said that in verse 1. The first time he said it was impending danger. This time when he says blow the trumpet in Zion, it's a call to a nation or a church to repentance. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, 
Assemble the elders. Gather the children and even the nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from his dressing room. And you know what he's talking about here? This was so significant. And he said, everybody, you bring the oldest to the youngest. Because if you think about it, the oldest to the youngest, every one of them were affected by sin. But he said, bring them all in. March everyone in. This was so important that there was a wedding that was going on and the bride and the bridegroom were getting ready and they marched in and said, time out. Put the wedding on hold. Cancel it. What for? We got to go to the church. We got to fast and pray. You begin to see right here the significance of what he was talking about. He said, come on, let's rise up. Jump with me to verse 23. You can read lots of that. I encourage you to read that whole passage. It'll challenge you. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain faithfully, and He will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain, the latter rain in the first month, the threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with new wine. So I will restore to you all the years that those stinking locusts ate up. Verse 25. Verse 26. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God. Who has dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. And there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Watch this. Shouting is pro- prohibited in here. No. It's good to shout. Watch this. And it shall come to pass afterward. After we've prayed and we've fasted and we've called out to God. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And the old men shall see dreams and young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. What a promise from God. But it didn't just happen. God challenges them with prayer and fasting. And so some of the things that we begin to see in history that he had warned that will say, I've never seen those things. We go back and in review in 27, uh, 2017, I just want you to think about certain things that we heard people say, I've never seen this before. Hurricane Harvey. The people of the Gulf Coast said, I've never seen this before. Wow. We go to the end of 2017, the people of Southern California. I've never seen wildfires like this before. And then we start here the first week of January of 2018. People in the Gulf Coast saw snow. Some of them said, we've lived there our entire life. We've never seen snow. Now, this is what really got my attention on Friday. As that storm began to go up the East Coast, meteorologists were saying, we've never seen a winter storm like this. The the millibars, which is the wind gradient, they begin to get so tight that they said it looked like a hurricane in August. And they said, we've never seen it drop like this. How about this? The destruction and devastation of America. 
How many of you in your lifetime would ever, even in your wildest dreams, thought about what took place in Las Vegas last year? It's America. It's not a third world country. And we see the devastation in our land. And let me tell you what the Lord Jesus says about this. In Matthew 24, verse 8, he said, These are the beginning of sorrows. And if you go back and study it, he mentions the various catastrophes. He said, This is the beginning of sorrows. And when you look at that phrase, sorrows, he likens it to a woman who's in labor. The closer she gets to delivery, the more intense the labor pains become. Until ultimately, the birth. This is exactly how it's going to be with the Lord Jesus. There's going to be things that are going to keep intensifying. That's why we got to fast and pray. we got to hold on to the things of God. That's why you're going to have to learn to live for God firm. You're going to have to stand on the things of God firm. Last passage, Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. As we're turning to Matthew 6. Again, I got to fast with a purpose. Dieting will change your looks. Fasting will change your life. Now whatever you do. Don't try to downplay fasting. Don't try to void it out of your life and come back with an excuse and says, well, that was just an Old Testament practice. See, I've seen this for years now in two major areas, in the area of fasting and the areas of tithing. Ooh, don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. Well, pastor, that's just all Old Testament. No, it's an excuse that we don't want to obey it. Because anytime I fast and anytime I learn to tithe, it's a self-denial. Now, watch this because in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, this is called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you go back and look, 5, 6, and 7, it's all red-letter words. This is Jesus' thoughts. So Matthew 6, verse 2. Therefore, when you do... When you do, he didn't say if you do, if you feel like doing. He said when you do a charitable deed or you give, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, you guys say they have their reward. In other words, don't do it to impress men. Look at me. And if you study that out, God said what you do in secret, he'll reward you openly. In other words, there's going to be a blessing on your life. Chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men, and surely I say they have their reward. Now Jesus wasn't knocking public prayer, but he was just saying, do it with the right motive, and guess what? When you do this in a secret, he said, I'll reward you openly. Same chapter. Verse 16. Notice, red lever words. Moreover, interesting word. When you fast, when you fast, 
Listen to what the message says for that word fast there. It says, when you practice an appetite-denying discipline to better consecrate on God, He will reward you. So now you begin to get a little thought of Jesus' thoughts when I pray, when I fast, when I give. It's a big deal to him. And it ought to be a big deal to us. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.